The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Regan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two awesome co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And this week, we are talking about fan favorite, Deltarune Chapter 2. Uh, yeah, we did our Deltarune episode, our Chapter 1 episode, a few weeks ago. Uh, we took a little bit of a break in between. Uh, Laura moved houses. Hey! I went to the beach. Shane broke his face. It's a... Uh, irrelevant for this episode he's not here hi shane hope you're hope you're doing well uh he is doing well he's yeah. feeling a lot better guys uh, but uh yeah we're back to talk about delta rune chapter two yeah i'm i'm glad that we followed up so quickly uh, i was like i've got all these unanswered questions from chapter one need to get into chapter two and uh i just have more questions so uh, <laughs> yep <laughs> was not successful in answer. chapter three is the question <laughs> yeah. I was left with for the most part. Um, yeah, this came out about one year ago, and the uh, the first chapter came out about three years ago. So um, my guess is we're in for a bit of a wait. Uh, I don't think we're going to be talking about Deltarune again for a while. This is historically a thing that Turkey is not uh, wonderful at. We did uh, Kentucky Zero only after the fifth chapter was announced did we start playing the beginning of it. We're not um, super good at waiting. So we're ahead of the curve on this one then. For we're one. actually, we have episodes out uh, before the full run is out. So yeah, wow, look at us. Um, but but like uh, like Kentucky Route Zero, I think I've you know really found a lot of affection for this game. I mean, it was yeah. not a huge surprise because I loved uh, Undertale. And of course, you know, we already talked about the first chapter. It was, it was great there too, but... I um I really thought this was the chapter where a lot of the character development started uh really hitting for me. Um I don't know, should we talk first about like what happens at the end of the last chapter and the beginning of this one or like start talking about plot or do we want to do is there any are, are there any generalities we should talk about here that are in any way different from what we've already talked about with chapter 1? I Gameplay and everything is pretty similar. I will say, if you are listening to this and you did not listen to chapter one, I would go back and uh, just download that episode instead. Bless your heart. You're going to be mm-hmm. very confused. Uh, and also, we're going to spoil all of chapter one. So maybe just if you're intending on playing it, go do that now or listen to our mm-hmm. episode on it before starting here. Yeah, uh, we're definitely going to be talking about stuff that would be spoilery, especially of the end of chapter one. Um, as far as spoilers for this chapter goes, uh, we can mostly skirt around them. We're not going to be talking about, for example, like details of the ending, but uh, this is the kind of game where if you really want to go into this unspoiled, then, you know, uh, come check this episode out after you've given it a, uh, given it a play. And uh, for context, this episode or chapter of the game was a little longer than the previous one. For me, it took about four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, it obviously, you know, it's just a continuation of the same game. So not expecting any monumental differences between uh, chapter one and chapter two. But I do think there was a few things that stood out to me. Um, it can it could just be the natural progression of a game getting deeper and, and you know, you're getting further along in the story and whatnot. But uh, a couple of our observations from the first chapter um, 
you know, one that it was highly tutorialized was i felt like even more so in this chapter there was so much that wanted to like guide you along and almost i think to a point where it kind of is becoming a bit almost where it's like everybody like there's a puzzle in here that a character comes up and straight up tells you how to solve the puzzle and i thought like that's gotta be almost a play on itself for how much it's tutorializing um and then the uh combat which we all thought was very very easy in chapter one um, did get a little more complicated uh i i imagine that's just more difficulty scaling of a standard video game i find so much like um i'm I didn't find the the combat in this one that much harder. There was like one noticeable battle where I did have some trouble and it was pretty close to the end of the game. And literally all it meant was I died once had to backtrack and buy some healing items and then came back and and it was fine. But it does seem like there's, I mean, we talked about this in the last couple of episodes about or last episode. And also when we talked about undertale, it seems like there's a lot of diversity of uh, like how hard people find these games. Um, If these games click for you, uh, like they do for me, uh, I, they're not very, I didn't find them very challenging. Undertale got a little bit hard by the very end. Um, but this game so far hasn't gotten anywhere near the difficulty of Undertale. Um, and I, I didn't find it particularly hard. But then again, I looked up some reviews and some people were like really dinging this game for its difficulty, even at chapter two. I mean, the um, so the dodging know. has very steep penalties. So if you are not good at dodging, like the enemies here are doing like 40 damage a pop. So it's, it's, or even 60. So like the, I had more people passing out this route, but that's because I was sloppy and impatient. Yeah. Um, It's a very singular skill. Like if you're not good at, uh, you know, using your control or you, you know, using the directionals, uh, to dodge things coming in from every angle on the screen, like this game is going to be a struggle for you. It is exclusively that, Mm -hmm. uh, although, um, I I don't remember. I loved Undertale, but it's been a long time, and so I don't remember all of the details of it. Um, this game also, especially in the second chapter, it's starting to implement more like other little mini games that were mm-hmm. still relatively easy, but um, like the the mouse catching, the the boxing video game, like yeah, they're, they're, or there was like some sort of proto um, rhythm game mechanic yeah, stuff, yeah, where you were, like sliding down hills and had to dodge little walls in time with the beat. That kind or of the the teacup spinning was also yeah. sort of like a rhythm game. Um, it's like yeah. incredibly light puzzles. Yeah. Um, there are some actual puzzles, but they're not. Like it's like tan grabs. Can you make a, yeah. a triangle? It's like yes, I did this in like middle school when I finished math homework early. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of thing. And I, that's where those I felt like those are all just setups for like the jokes and the character oh, development because yeah. like all of those tan grabs all lead up to like a character beat. You know, with um, yeah. That's you're supposed right. to, Those are nicely they're supposed to be easy that so yeah. that you can feel superior to a character. To a character, yeah. <laughs> Bird. What is his name Bird. again? Birdly? Birdly. Yeah. Beardly. Beardly. Is it Beardly? I, I was pronouncing it Birdly in my head because he's a bird. but it, I think it is, so but beardly. also like a neck a neck beard and wide. He's a neck bird. Yeah, I got it. Neck bird. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um the characters did get a lot more well-developed here, Birdly being one example. Um, I mean, he never really gets a lot of character development, but you get a little bit for him. But 
at the end of last episode, you guys hadn't uh, been introduced to the Noel Susie uh, frisson, yes. and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I played ahead, and I know this is a thing." So, how would you feel about that? Uh, love it. Need you even ask? I was. No. I thought that was my favorite thing rhetorical about this game. question. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Um, I was very hoping to see more of Noel from the last game because you know she's in 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 chapter one a little bit. Uh, but not a ton. She's kind of just there in the classroom, and you can get, if you look for it, some nice cute scene between her and her dad in the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's not a ton of her. But she was just such a standout cute character design. I was like, I want to see more of her. And we got a lot more of her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, she gets sucked into the dark world along with, uh, with Chris and, and Susie. And I um, and Birdly this time. Um, I will say... You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You cannot be like, oh, I'm rescuing the damsel in distress, but also turn the character into a damsel in distress. I was like, oh, like, and, and yeah. keep having her get captured. My, I was only, like, you can't uh, do both. You yeah. can do one or the other. This is my only uh, he hesitation with it. I, I hope that it's just that, like, the plan is this is going to be a lot longer oh, uh, yeah. game and that, you know, she's going to have her moments of heroism later uh, and that, you know, it introduces her. Uh, in this sort of damsely kind of scenario, and I'm, I'm, you know, I have high hopes for that getting turned on its head a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the jokes are being made about her being a damsel in distress, and I just was like, yes, you can make the joke, but then you have to stop getting her captured. <laughs> yes, and it didn't happen this chapter. There's plenty of time. There's going to be a million bajillion chapters maybe yeah, i think it, it it knows what it's it wants and I, I think the game like the game and the developer clearly love this character and want the best for her and so like i can't imagine that you won't see that happen but um yeah I, I get the sense that they love every character that they make <laughs> every yeah. character i think it's the hallmark of toby yeah. fox's uh game writing style is yeah literally every single character no matter how horrible <laughs> you know you is 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 worth loving and that's like both just a writing thing and also just like part of the philosophical statement yeah I think, well because there they games. there is not a like everybody i guess maybe except for chris who you know doesn't really speak other than your your selections everyone is like kind of stupid you know mm -hmm. and it just is this through line and, and i mean that in like a compliment you know everybody is like dumb and goofy and uh they're like this chapter really really leaned into that with all the the truces and the like <laughs> the web of truces yeah and <laughs> the the boxes over noel's head and like yeah i mean it's it's um you know it's like a coen brothers level of you know a confederacy confederacy of dunces all the way down except mm -hmm. for maybe chris but you know chris is right there with with everybody so must be kind of stupid too and it just and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> with a silent protagonist how can you tell if they're smart or stupid <laughs> well the, you are you, controlling them so yeah you, yeah we're we are dumb by engaging with it i suppose um <laughs> Uh, speaking of dumb jokes, how did you like the uh, cyber world theming? I I cyber really, really liked great. it. I, it's, yeah, that's so great. I, so yeah, yeah the, the thing about that that is 
intriguing to me is like it's clear that like what they're doing is like each of these dark worlds is created basically from the surroundings of wherever the dark fountain is created right so there's we're learning a little more about the cosmology of the games you know you learn very close to the end of like at the end of chapter one it it had this kind of like um i was almost sort of reminded of like the labyrinth or other stuff like that where right. it's like a fantasy world thing and then you go out of it and you know all like, the characters are there all I, the characters is there I, but it's we like they're there. trying to surround and the little girl yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. end of the um the wizard of oz, wizard wizard of oz, of oz. kind of thing yeah um and so like i didn't know how to interpret that at the end of chapter one because like they escape from the dark world and they are, find themselves in a in a empty classroom full of you it's know, the supply clause. Yeah, the supply. Well, they—they yeah. are the stuff was all. That was something that I came back to because I was a little confused about some of the mechanics in this game as well, or in this chapter as well, because they go into the supply closet and then they exited next door through the yeah um, through the disused the, classroom, and all the mm. crap was all over the ground. And there's a beat at the beginning of this one where um, where you go into the supply closet again, and Ralsei who's there, tells you like, "Hey, go back out, then go to the other classroom, pick up all the crap." And bring it over here, and it turns into all your friends from the, the yeah. first chapter. Um, and you carry um, Lancer with you between portions of the dark world. And when you're when they're out of the when they're on the the light side, they're what like a, a bundle of trash or whatever yeah. that you you carry around with you. I like that. Yeah. So like the the dark worlds are. So in this one, it's the dark world that's in the library, right? So it's mm-hmm. like the, in the, the computer the, room in the of computer the of the library. Yeah. So then you get cyber world. So I'm I'm assuming, you know, we we met this whole cast of characters from the school and then from the town, and I've been wondering, like, you know, why do we? Why was so much time spent on introducing this huge swath of characters, uh, especially at the end of chapter one? You kind of hit the like the climax of the of the chapter but then there's this whole ending where you can just wander around the town and meet all these different characters mm-hmm. and, and it's like why is that and I, yeah and undertale itself kind of did that but it was more of like a like here go back through everything that you experience from the game like you could wander basically back to the beginning of the game if you wanted and talk to every yeah. character that you met along the way and it was kind of like a you know fond farewell you know, hugs and feelings kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but I think but, what made us see is like, these aren't characters you've been hanging out with right. the whole game. These are new people. And yeah, it was weird, right? And yeah. It, so this makes a lot more sense because it, it, it does kind of, now that we have two of these chapters, we kind of understand what kind of structure they're going for, um, which is this more sort of like, um, you know, we're looking at seven chapters total. They, they're, they're, they've said, and, I suspect we're going to have this same kind of cycle. There's a dark fountain is going to open up in the hospital or a dark fountain is going to open up at the flower shop or whatever. And we're going to have different people sucked into it for various reasons or uh, the dark tower or dark tower, a dark uh, fountain is going to pop up in the middle of the traffic jam. That that would be great. Actually. Um, (laughs) I think, I think I was surprised at is there's almost two hometowns because you've got the, a, overworld hometown the mm-hmm. light world hometown your normal hometown and then you're building one with all the people you rescue in the game so i, I want to uh th- this might be a good time for me to talk about the, the the main kind of aha i had playing this chapter as opposed to the the last one which was like 
uh, I realized playing through this that like this is well that maybe if, you know if Undertale was Toby Fox doing Earthbound, this game is Toby Fox doing Persona. Um, I'm a big Persona fan, um, but I didn't realize that until we got into this game where it starts, um, like, first of all, realizing this this sort of overall structure feels a lot like the sort of very, um, a lot of the Persona games, especially like 4 and 5, have this structure of like, um, kind of an episodic thing where a group of friends are, uh, you know, investigating, uh, you know, strange phenomena and uh, there's a cycle that's on a calendar so usually in the persona games it's literally like every full moon or something like that then something is going to happen and they know something's coming up and it's going to happen and then you know they they fight it by going into a dark world and it's it's different in every one of the persona games but it, it always has this element of like there's the world outside that is like your daily life you still have to engage with the daily life talk to people in the persona games that means things like going to school um i mean you know in here too going to school um and then uh periodically going into this dark world to you know fight monsters or whatever it is and also in the persona games usually the dark worlds are like a twisted version of something in the real world so for example in persona 4 um you're going into the minds of people who've been like uh uh what is it the I forget all the terminology. Psychonaut style. Yeah, it's very psychonaut style. You're going into people's minds. Same thing in Persona 5. Um, you're going into people's sort of mind palaces and like trying to fight something that's psychologically wrong inside them and help them, right? And there are multiple references to mind palaces in this yeah. chapter. Yes. Uh, Birdly loves a mind palace. Yes. So that's what I realized about this. Like this is very Persona influenced and I love that. I love the like, um, I've got a team of friends We're you know, we're going into dark places, but periodically coming back out again. I think that's really key to like what makes the, the, the pacing and structure of games like persona really work because like you get that sort of like, um, you know, Buffy, uh, monster of the week kind of vibe off of it where like you have the time for these characters to interact in situations that aren't dire. Um, yeah, and they you have these periodic climaxes, these periodic like I, we have to go back in, we have to do something important, we um, have to go back, right? But you also get they go to school, they they meet each other's parents, you have a sleepover, like that kind of stuff, and that's really that's really valuable for the like if you if you want to develop those like like I don't know what you call that, but like that that style of character building where it's like oh i love these guys i just have a whole <laughs> team of friends like you you need those you need those light moments too and this is this is really doing that if i know reagan there are two things he loves in a video game it's a mean girl and making friends in oh this yeah game, i was gonna game, say yeah, i was gonna say yeah. mean girls and friendship yep <laughs> preferably making friends with the mean girls mean girl. I, I love mean, that, that is, chocolate that is in my peanut butter. yeah and that's what that's what this game does um yeah, and also, uh, this is a, not exactly a Persona thing, but the other big mechanical new thing in this game is this idea of having your, like, castle town and yeah. um, building it up by recruiting enemies. And, you know, when you when you defeat or spare or mercy the enemies, they get to go back to your town and populate it. And that actually is more of, like, a Suikoden thing. 
I'm also a big fan of the like early, I haven't played all of them, but like the, the first couple of Suikoden games, um, which are these great JRPGs where you have like a home base and you're going off and doing JRPG stuff, but periodically you're meeting new people and um, you can recruit them and send them back to your your base or your town. And and part of kind of getting the the ending of the game is like assembling an army and you need, you know, you need a you need a blacksmith and you need a guy who knows how to build ballistas, but you also need like a cute person who runs the sh- the, the kitchen or you mm-hmm. need, you know, you need all, all of this like broadcast of characters that you have to assemble. Um, and it's, it's that too. Like, and I, I really like that it's doing more interesting, like mechanic stuff. The, the, the first game was so closely hewed to like the earthbound type of thing, apart from its mechanic, you know, it's battle mechanics. Um, whereas like this is pulling from other great RPGs that I love. So I, I thought that was really cool to see. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, compared to undertale where, you know, it definitely seemed to want you to spare people, or at least that was, it was even just kind of novel in the game itself that like, Oh, every, you know, you don't have to kill the bad guys, right? Like that, that felt novel and, and you were, it was just the fact that you could do it sort of led you to, to wanting to do it. Um, and then of course there was the full evil run and whatnot, but, um, I never felt like the game was really making that choice for me in undertale. Um, mm-hmm. and then this one by adding the recruiting element, uh, it even more is trying to imply that, you know, you should be sparing people besides Ralsei telling you like spare everyone directly. Mm-hmm. We should spare as many people as we can. Uh, it also now has this whole recruiting thing where you're like, well, I, I want to have more people in my town. It, mm-hmm. it seems I want to have these, uh, where wires back yeah. at base. And it tells you like, you've spared like five out of seven where wires and you know, you need to spare seven of them to have them back at your base yeah. or whatever, so. which did have a subtle impact on the like, uh, random encounter element of this game where like, if I knew that I needed to spare one more viro knot or virus, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and there's one of them circling Wasn't around. Wasn't it uh, Viro Viro Kun? Or Viro like Viro yeah. Chan or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, it's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, normally, uh, you know, because these, these combats, once you know the trick, like, you know, they really just sort of, you know, it's a couple clicks, but they're kind of in the way, right? And so normally if there's one of those guys, like, circling around i would just try to avoid it and outrun it because i don't feel like doing the combat but uh, um but one time i died and so i forgot i i, I just kind of <laughs> passed a bunch of dudes because i thought i was full up but when you die it resets your counter oh, oh yeah which is really annoying at the end of the game they were like you've spared everybody except one extra ambulatron i was like i'm not gonna go all the way <laughs> back to the second floor like i get, like, get the that. game really wanted me to the garbage yeah. man was like yelling at me to go check it and i was like i am aware i was like i'm on a deadline the recording is tomorrow <laughs> garbage man <laughs> i gotta admit i did not like look to see if i had collected everyone i, I kind of think i hadn't I-, I i definitely was like you know i was i was also walking out of my way to take additional battles for the same reason but mm-hmm. i i definitely wasn't going like full-on collect-a-thon about it um and i don't think you really need to uh, and I also think like the game does give you some tools if you want to backtrack and do that stuff. I, I'm pretty sure you can like 
low to save and you know the the tower once you've kind of gotten all the way through it is pretty wide open there's there's like elevators and stuff so i I think it wouldn't be that hard if you were after the fact deciding you wanted to go back and do all of the things but yeah that wasn't for me i have a i i suspect that some of this is going to come back around and it's going to turn out to have been maybe not the best thing that we spared all of these people you know, you're right. I, I feel like there, there's definitely sort of, we talked about this when we were talking about chapter one, but I feel like there's sort of like an impending darkness going on here because mm-hmm. the castle town seems like such a, ch- a jolly little, yeah. you know. I, I, I just like the way this game, you know, released Undertale and so far, you know, this game seems the same. The way it subverts expectations. The fact that it wants me to spare everyone so hard makes yeah. me think that it's I'm gonna... telling you yeah which undertale didn't quite yeah. tell you it's, it was different yeah. yeah i i have a feeling it's something's gonna turn out to have been like you shouldn't have spared all those <laughs> all those people so, some of them were nazis <laughs> yeah right <laughs> go get them <laughs> yeah I don't there know, is man. apparently some weird uh, they're calling it the weird path the like weird path a, yeah there's a way to well, Not quite genocide run, but there, there. Yeah, tell there me more about that, because like I didn't do as did I didn't really do a lot of like research on like like I knew like it seems like the the sort of correct path or like the you know intended path for most players is the fully pacifist run, and so that's what I stuck to. I didn't really decide to like experiment with that. What um, is there something I should have been checking out? It's it's no, it, it's a kind of a hidden path. I, I just did a little research on it. It's, it's a violent path to choose, um, and you you need to be really strict following the steps. Apparently, because if at any point you stray from the violent path, it will like snap you back to mm. to the good side. So like you have to continuously choose to to you have to keep choosing violence. <laughs> um, well, th- th- there's a thing that when it's ex- explaining the recruiting to you, um, it says there will be times where it will. It, it's I, I don't remember the exact language, but it basically is like there will be choices to make that you know you will be you'll become more powerful by not sparing people, mm-hmm. and I never encountered that clear of a decision point yeah and it's not even sparing or killing people it's like a third way to do it interesting i'm trying to be vague in case people don't want to get totally spoiled but if you're interested it's it it involves spells and involves a lot of steps and they are very detailed on the internet that's very interesting i'm i'm gonna read and read about that a little bit because i i i do think like Toby Fox puts this stuff in for a reason, you know, these sort of like alternate routes and stuff. We talked about this with Undertale where like the game has this entire uh, like violent slash genocide run option and it has tons of different dialogue and and other elements. Um, and, And most players don't choose it and probably shouldn't except maybe as like an alternate or secondary playthrough. Um, but it's not just about providing additional content. It's also like, what is the what is the meaning of choosing not to be violent in a game if you can't choose to be violent? And so you have to have this other thing, even if it's not necessarily something that many players will see. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, 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 Toby Fox puts this stuff in for a reason, but I'm not sure that it's always like the reason being you should play it that way, you know? Yeah. 
I guess. Maybe that's the kind of stuff that's like better experienced through YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it definitely like again with with Undertale wasn't one of the taglines like date your enemies or something like that. Like part of the Should whole have been point. If it wasn't, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was something like that. Um, if not, Toby Fox hire me. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, the whole point was this like subversion of an RPG. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think with this one, there's definitely is it feels like there's some undercurrent that's building that maybe you should have taken different or taking different choices will have bigger impacts than it seems right now. Uh, there is a secret boss, and I, I talked about it in the first episode too. I think I think so far there's been a secret boss in both chapters, and I stumbled upon it in the first chapter and and didn't complete the quest line. And I stumbled upon it again in the second one, but did complete it mm. uh, and and fought the secret boss in chapter two. And while I agree, Reagan, that like for the most part, the difficulty while while ramped up, it was still chapter two is relatively easy. Uh, the secret boss is very, very difficult. It's it's very um, it's like a marathon. Most of these fights, you only have to survive like a couple rounds of the of the of the barrage before you can get them to mercy Mm -hmm. um this one your your mercy method if you are the most of using your most effective mercy method it's like seven percent mercy and that's if you're doing the action that takes all three of your characters wow so like if at any point you are needing to heal or defend or whatever you're only it only does two percent so like you have to be able to survive this pretty intense barrage for a lot of turns and it does a lot of damage Mm. um so it was definitely the most most challenging that's the that's the wild thing about this this like um combat system is that like unlike any other rpg like if you're playing this in the sort of pacifist approach you're never leveling up really um so you get better items occasionally and if you're really on the look there's not even a ton of that um so like you don't there's not you don't really ever get significant upgrades in terms of like health or survivability um you get new options sometimes that will increase the amount of like non-damage damage that you're outputting you know like how much mercy or whatever you're uh you're yeah you're inflicting but i don't know i got a ribbon that in- improved my cuteness so yes, very important. You know, I don't know what that does, and also I have a thing that increases my spookiness, and I'm carrying around a mannequin. I guess that I assume is at some point maybe going to have an impact, or maybe it's just. I a don't joke. know what the mannequin does either. <laughs> I, I got through the whole thing. I have no idea. Um, but like, like what I mean though is like you don't, you don't. There's if you get a, if you come up to something that is hard, like one of these secret bosses, it's not like you can just go grind. Like there's no yeah. way to just like. It comes down, it becomes pattern recognition. Like you have to, it's like getting good at WarioWare games. You yeah. know, this this boss has a, a re- repetitive series of difficult, uh, you know, dodge them, dodge them ups. Although it also has where you can, the the heart, you can, sh- you can fire back at him while you're dodging, which is like another element. Um, but all the only way to really beat it is to get really good at each version of these little, you know, WarioWare games. And you, you're not going to be able to improve outside of like you were saying, Reagan, like small degrees, you can improve your defense or whatever. But for the most part, the only way you're going to beat them is to is, mas- is mastery. Yeah. 
um, and figuring out like what's the best way place to position and when to fire and and just getting good at like oh I know these little tornadoes that are going to come out of him are going to spread in this pattern so I can dodge them this way um, and I I generally find that satisfying but it was interesting that this secret boss is at least for me was like considerably more difficult than everything else in this game so far. I did not fight the secret boss. Uh, it requires a number of little steps that um, once I found out what they all were, would have required a little bit of backtracking. And I was just at a point in the game where I was like, I didn't want to interrupt the plot in order to go hunting for them. I was just sort of ready to ready to go for the ending. Um, I may go back and, and, and play those secret bosses another time. I think they yeah. do seem interesting. But, For what uh, it's worth, yeah. I did not know that I was doing a secret boss path ah. until um, very late in the secret boss path. I I uh, did the first many many steps. Uh, um, I think I did a lot of them too. They they had to do with the um, the blue. green triangle guy, right? The yeah, hacker, or the whatever hacker he was called, and, and the check marks, and then um there is like a path that you take when you're dealing with a traffic puzzle mm-hmm. that i didn't realize was like the not like i just was optional went, yeah yeah i didn't realize i was going the optional path and then yeah then if you've unlocked the hacker he's there and then there's like a little tiny puzzle there and then you're basically at the final boss or at the at the secret boss and there's a a, a teacup puzzle that mm-hmm. was cool um using the same mechanic of the earlier teacup stuff where it's like you have to spin the teacup to collect the moving things, but instead it's spin the teacup to avoid damage. Hmm. And it is actually took me a few tries um, to, to get good at it because it's kind of cool. It's like spinning lasers that match the speed of like max speed on the teacup. So you have to kind of like line up your spin mm. to dodge in between these, these lasers. And, you know, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Do we want to talk about any of the uh, particular like character beats or or best moments out of this? This could be considered pretty serious spoilers, so I'll I'll give people an out if you want to skip forward a little bit. But um, what was everybody's favorite bits? Oh, that's tough. Um, this was just a silly joke, but I I, I liked the like frequent. Um, where they're getting put into like custom rooms for themselves. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. going to mention that too. Multiple yeah. personalized so rooms. Yeah, multiple personalized rooms. And then going through and looking at all the items where Queen generated the items based off of their uh, like their internet, internet searches. searches. And yeah, it's, it's it, that was very, was a very little funny. like sad Easter egg of you opening your brother's like door, oh, yeah. but your eyes are closed. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very, very funny. And just like filling the room with shovels and oh, yes. like, you know, getting Lancer back in was, was nice and, and funny. Temporarily. Yeah. Temporarily <laughs> turns out to be tragic, but, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed, uh, all of those jokes a lot. You know, I, I agree like that. They did some really good. Jo- I, I, I at first was a little annoyed at queen. I think that's part of the idea. Like the, the, oh, yeah. the queen yeah. is like, she's really over the top and, um, I don't know. You know, she's she's kind of annoying at first. Um, but I really, really liked uh, basically all the like second half of with her. Like once I kind of like got what 
jokes they were going for with her. Um, I also, you know, have to say like the, like, of course the whole, uh, sequence when it kind of cuts away from Chris and you see, um, Susie and Noel interacting. They're kind of like, um, their side of things while, while, uh, while Chris is with Ralsei was like so sweet and it was nice to see them interacting and, I just I just love that whole chunk like when when uh, when Ral uh, when Susie rescues Noel from the like creepy bedroom and they mm-hmm. kind of go on the Ferris wheel together and everything it was really really great. I also uh, took a screenshot of a saved message mid Cyber City I really enjoyed, which was uh, you go to the star and it says you have neither fluffy boys nor mean girls with you now. You're on your solo quest. And I just was delighted. I was like, yes, that is how we should refer to these characters. Ah, the fluffy boy and the mean girl. And I did confirm it is B-E-R-D-L-Y. So I was was intuiting the A. (laughs) Beard, beard, whatever. Yeah, Queen was very funny. It also took me a little while to sort of like get what they're going for. And it's like, Okay, Queen's also an idiot. Like everyone here is stupid, and Queen is funny, and like the whole bit in the car was super strange and and very very silly. I I enjoyed that. The like roller coaster thing. There was so many weird like set pieces in this chapter. The, the cyber world is is very very um. There's a lot going on in Cyberworld. All the- There's even callbacks to Chapter 1, which I was not expecting. Like, it's so early for a callback. <laughs> yeah. For example, the machine you built, the, sh- the thrash oh, machine to kick your yes. ass comes back. And I was like, what? Call back this soon? Wow. I don't know. It felt like a great moment for it to me. Oh, I loved was it. very excited. Oh, I loved it. There, um, There's so much great, like, language in this one, too. Like, th- this one... um. I was just going through my screenshots and thinking about like all the all the weird little like I don't know linguistic jokes that this has. The, the thing yeah. that jumped out to me was like how how often it said the phrase "make her face into a robot." One, and mm. I don't know why, but every time someone used the phrase, they might make her face into a robot. One, I was just like, it got funnier every time it was said. I don't know why. I love a syntax joke, though, yeah. like underrated. It's I, well. This it's this is very much very dialogue heavy. There was full like scenes with with character movement and like mm-hmm. you know like I felt like you know this game is yeah four hours or this chapter is four hours and it's like probably three hours of just dialogue and then an hour of of like moving around and doing the little puzzles or combat or whatever well they know what people want out of this uh out of these games now which is like you know chapter one we, we brought you in but now you're in love with all our babies that we made here you know you're you, now you love all yeah. of our characters and y- you know everyone just wants to spend time with them and so this this game gives you that like this is full of like it's funny that like you, you could be getting into like fan service in chapter two of a seven chapter piece but they manage it, you know? Yeah. You said fan service. I mean, the way to get past a puzzle is to find the annoying dog from Undertale hiding underneath a platter. Yeah. And then 
all you see is a little legs and the whole time. And then the dog runs away. I was like, yes, that is, that is a joke for everyone who played undertale. And if you didn't, God help you. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. I think this like does still like there's, yeah, there's callbacks like that and they are cute and they're definitely there for the fans. But like there's, this game actually stands on its own from undertale surprisingly Mm -hmm. well. Like it continues to not be just, you know, uh, a spin on Undertale. It's its own thing. It's it's oh, you know, it's so um, like it's definitely using a lot of the same elements, but it's still a, a, like a full on remix with its own different approach and different like story to tell. I, I think it's great to see this approach continue. It was great in the first chapter, but I feel like it got even better in the second chapter. Maybe it's just Cyber World is is perfect for for Toby Fox's uh, creativity, but the music in chapter mm. two is phenomenal. Um, the, yes. the main cyber city theme is incredible. There's like a, a, like a 30 minute extended cut of it on YouTube that I had going for 30 minutes the other day when I was working, it was just nice to have it going. And uh, I don't know if there's been a better song or you know uh, better music in a video game than the big shot theme uh, oh yeah it's it's incredible <laughs> Toby Fox is so good at theming the characters and weaving in the different themes uh, through their music and and combining their themes at different times when it's, you know, uh, when it makes sense. Um, Most uh, most video games don't do light motifs. It's not uh, not an easy thing to achieve in a video game. But like Toby Fox, I think his games are are so um, uh, like. I don't want to say exactly scripted. I mean, they are obviously scripted, but like, I mean, like, they, like they, they're in some ways they're kind of scripted or, or paced like a film. Like, he's, yes, he's definitely like setting up. I think the like, scores means that definitely yeah. will happen in a particular order and so on. Um, so he he gets the luxury then of like knowing like, oh, well, here's going to be an emotional, important, impactful scene. And I'm going to, you know, call back some music that I know the listening to the player will have heard previously or what have you like. He can score it like a film in a way that you don't always get. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also like always good. You know, the, <laughs> yes. Like the songs are always fun and interesting and dynamic. And the big shot one is maybe the, <laughs> is maybe the best song of all time. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the like big dramatic reveals. I think there, it's probably worth talking briefly about the the very beginning of the game and ending of chapter one, how it slides into this one, and then how this game ends or how this chapter ends because they're both like there's you know there's there's not a ton of hints in chapter one or two at like the darkness that is underlying all of this. There's some dark themes, but like you really get a peek at like you know dark things are coming at the the ends of both chapters. Chapter one ends with that moment where Chris having returned to his bedroom, the one that he uh, shares with, uh, with his big brother uh, who's, who's away at college. He 
goes into the room or he gets up out of bed in the middle of the night, um, rips his own heart out. That's the soul, the little heart shaped object that represents his soul and throws it forcefully into a, uh, into a little bird cage at the foot of the bed. Um, and the beginning of this game has a very funny bit, a very good bit. Of yes, chapter two. the beginning of mm-hmm. chapter two, where, um, you know, we've been, uh, if you were playing along, you were probably in suspense for literally years about what was the meaning of that moment. Does that mean that, like, uh, our main character from chapter one has completely transformed into some dark creature or what have you? And it begins with, uh, with Toriel. Uh, saying something along the lines of like, oh, God, Chris, or like a big scream. What is this? Is this a knife? And, you know, freaking out. And then, of course, once it fades in, she's talking about the uh, the pie that she had mentioned at the end of the the previous game making like don't eat the pie, Chris. And she had found the evidence you have in fact eaten the pie. And also the heart is no longer in that little cage. So where did it go? And you spend most of this episode uh, or chapter kind of wondering still because it, it you know it feels like hey hey you know you thought we were going to see the res- resolution of that creepy moment at the end of chapter one but you don't really and you don't know nope. what is implied until basically the end of this chapter um but at the end of this chapter you do see chris basically do the same thing again susie's come over for a little sleepover you both fall asleep on the couch and then in the middle of the night chris wakes up on the couch tears out his heart again um and uh oh actually no it happens twice doesn't it because like he goes into the bathroom when they're making a pie right mm. and he, the goes into the bathroom and turns on the tap right. of the sink and then you see the, the heart yeah rips out. out the heart and climbs out the window and then it cuts back into the to like the making a pie and you don't really see what's happened to chris for a little while and then chris comes back in having presumably having put their their heart back in because you can move Chris again, which imply um, if you can uh, at the end of chapter one, you could move the heart in the bird cage independent yes, of Chris. So, so it is implying that the only thing you're controlling is the soul, and thus when Chris comes back, it's back in the body. Sorry, yeah, just yeah, wanted totally, to explain yeah. if you were uh, really yeah. lost. And, um, yeah. and then we see it happen kind of again at the very end, right? Um, Chris is on the couch and wakes up, and uh, and. Uh, tears their heart out again and then uses their knife to stab the ground. And this is after we've been hearing from the queen about the knight that opened these dark fountains did so by using their determination, you know, again, a, a very important world in the under undertale lore. Um, something I think that it implied that only I, I was a little confused here because I think in undertale, it implied that ter- determination was a quality that only human souls had. And here in it's implied that determination is something that all of these monsters have um, all lightners, all lighteners have. have exactly. Thank you. Um, and that including the monsters and also it's uh, when Chris tears their soul out, they still have presumably determination because then they, um, stab the ground with their knife, opening a new dark portal, this time in their living room, um, which we can only guess means that the dark world that they're going to go into next chapter will be entered in the Toriel living room. And TV themed? Oh, good point. That's my hope. Because <laughs> they were falling yeah. asleep. Oh, they were falling asleep watching a monster movie. Wonder if that's going to play into it. 
Yeah, that's my hope. Nice. nice. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, but also, like, yeah, real shitty of you to have a sleepover with your friend and then, like, open a dark portal. Although, perhaps among that's us the have point. It. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to keep hanging out with Susie. Yeah, so we don't know at this point, like, does this mean that, like, Chris is ha- has some sort of, like, dark personality that is separate? Like, the is the fact that Chris is... I guess presumably is the night, right? That opened the other two dark portals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to do it when they don't have a soul. So does that mean this is a different being? Like, is this like an alternate personality kind of situation? Or is it just something where they, they're they doing this for their own reasons that we're not seeing, um, but they, they have to take their their soul out in order to be able to do it or in order to get away with it and not be observed by the player? Um, I don't know. Uh, of all things in the world that I did not expect, the Washington Post has an incredibly deep lore article on <laughs> nice. This nice. about the endings of one. Democracy and, dies in the darkness. Demar- <laughs> it, it says at the top in a huge thing, the democracy dies in darkness. And yeah. then it's like Deltarune's chapter one and two. No, the title is, it's the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. Headline, what the hell is going on in Deltarune? <laughs> Well, we got to shine a light on it. Bless. My feeling about it, like yeah. when I finished Undertale, that was when I did my really deep wiki dive, right? Like I, I, yeah. I personally yeah. felt like it, it wasn't something where I was like going to like stop playing through the game and then go do a bunch of deep dives in the wiki. But like, I don't know where that line is for me here in Mm-mm. this because like, obviously we're only up to chapter two and like, I have my theories about what's going on. And I'm sure because the way these games are that there are people who've like encyclopedic knowledge of the lore and have done things like comb through the files or what have you and are like prognosticating based on, you know, what Toby Fox had for lunch. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if I want to know that stuff at this point, right? Like I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of do and I kind of don't. And I haven't done like a deep lore dive on the wikis yet. And I haven't done either. I've looked at the um, the roll-ups basically mm-hmm. from other one. I've kind of self-assigned on this one to, to do a little bit so I can at least say there be dragons. Like this is a lot of like hidden lore of Undertale linkages. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of speculation and theorizing. And, if, and you know if you're a theory person <laughs> – um if this is where you like being no one knows what happens in the next chapter so at least no one can spoil you but there's going to be a lot of deep dive speculation and a lot of people who looked at things like source code and translated wingdings and lord knows what else looked at the file names for different music tracks like there's all that kind of stuff happening you know if you want to touch it or if you want to just say yeah, I generally I don't engage with that sort of stuff, but I I have been more inclined to look into it. Um, maybe it is the fact that like no one actually knows; it is all just theory. Like I, I've definitely enjoyed that from time to time with some like shows that I've watched where it's like in between you know weekly episodes, everyone's you know fan theorying left and right. I've enjoyed that sparingly, um, and I could see it being fun with this. However, the like. Yeah, if I knew chapter three was coming out in like, I wouldn't be touching any of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's the same thing. Like I, I do so many Game of Thrones book deep dive things, but yeah. like if the book was coming out, I would be kind of 
giving myself a crash diet, staying away from it for a while. Right, right. I wonder what the plans are in terms of releasing this thing. Like, the, Toby Fox doesn't like talk too much openly about like what's going on with development of these games. The last thing I saw was that he had tweeted something maybe a couple of months ago, and it was pretty vague. And he said like, "Development's going well. I've hired some more people. Everything's working great." But like, there's no indication whatsoever of like like i believe he has said at some point that the plan is to release the rest of the game as one big thing but does that mean that like it was it was like three years between chapters one and two does that mean we're going to be waiting like 16 years or something to get the rest of this game probably not obviously but and to be fair basically two of those three years were the particularly difficult couple years yes uh you know and and so who like i don't know their development style but if it um you know this game was very much about getting the group together to work on delta rune uh you know some delays were probably uh you know um had through the that whole pandemic so yeah fair Um, enough but yeah i'm not I'm not opposed to like, you know, hey, take all the time you want. Like, I I can wait and I I don't mind coming back to this in three or four years if that's what it takes. Um, But I do kind of hope to see more of this sooner than than that. I would really like to to meet these characters again. And, you know, even if that means releasing it one chapter at a time, I don't know, every year or something for a while. Let's do it. Let's do it. Star Wars, you know, every Christmas, another uh, Delta Rune Mm. chapter. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Don't do what Star Wars did. They got real bad there for a while. No, no. Yeah, episode nine is like maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, let's not do that, Toby Fox. Mm. Don't don't add us. (laughs) I never saw episode nine. I I was like, I got I jumped off at episode eight and I was like, hmm heard the reviews about nine. I, actually, stopped, like, I read the reviews and I went, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And I, I actually, also never saw nine. Exactly. I enjoyed seven and I also enjoyed eight. I, Same. It I loved it, seven. I like, I like yeah. seven. It, it, well. it was okay. Now this is a Star no, Wars I, podcast. I've, I've yeah, decided uh, I've clocked out of, of Star Wars. I realize I don't have, I'm no, no one in this life is making me enjoy or watch Star Wars yeah. anymore. So I, I haven't engaged with any of the, the Star Wars TV cool. stuff. I just sort of like, you know, I was like, you know what? I've graduated from Star Wars. I'm good. <laughs> I still enjoy Star Wars. Um, I engage with most of it, but um, and like I said, I enjoyed seven and I enjoyed eight, and I went into nine being like, critics hate it, everyone hates it, but I bet I'll find something that I like about but it. I'm special. <laughs> yeah, well, I just I have a like for me, the bar is pretty low to 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 cross for like this sort of this this i don't go into it with a with an intellectual mindset i'm going into it with like this is going to be star wars i should eat popcorn and have a good time while watching it i'm not too worried about the lore and consistency or anything like mm-hmm. that i just want it to i just want it to be fun mm-hmm. and uh it's <laughs> It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's so, so depressing. And I was like, I was like, I will, I will enjoy this. It's not going to take much for me to enjoy this. And it like these are these takes are so boring at this point. We're like two years after this I movie. Know. So I'm gonna Maybe stop. we gotta go ahead and move on suck. to what's making us happy this week. <laughs> rather, rather than yeah. what's making us bummed out these Unhappy last many years. Unhappy three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um well, to be fair, I didn't watch it until like la like the it's I only watched it in the last like six or seven months because I've you know. So anyway. Um yeah, what's making everyone happy? Uh Nate, Nate, what's making you happy this week? So I haven't had a lot of time recently for like other media 
mostly just been playing um delta rune um but there is something going on in my my real life that i just want to you know is making me happy and so i think it fits for this uh, last week i talked about jet skis and this week um so we are we're having some remodeling work being done in our house and um so we have some some skilled crafts crafts people over at our house that are doing uh carpentry and other skilled work and i am what's making me happy is people who are really good at like at, at that sort of thing at 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 doing physical like production of complicated things i live my entire life basically in front of a computer so whenever someone comes to my house and is like sure we'll do this thing and they do it with you know expertise i'm always impressed so shout out to all of our skilled craftsmen and craftswomen and and craftspeople around the world I, I'm impressed by your ability to uh, to to, <laughs> to do anything things. at all really. to create <laughs> physical to create physical products. I am impressed, and uh, I I appreciate the work. So um, so that's what's making me happy is people who are good at making things. Yes, um, because I just sit and talk all day even in my job and what i do for hobbies with podcasts i'm just sitting and talking all day so um you know there we go yeah i'm with you that's what's making me happy um i i have a uh i have a recommendation this week um and this is i've talked a little bit about this on the discord so it's probably not going to be a surprise to anybody but um uh, this was the week where uh, an order that I made like several weeks ago finally came in in the mail for a Miu Mini. Um, the Miu Mini is one of these handheld emulator console type of things. Um, this is a scene that I used to follow more closely than I do now. Um, but basically, if you're not familiar, you know, there's a lot. There's like a whole like industry basically uh, in mostly in China of fairly inexpensive uh, mostly Linux or Android based, uh, handheld game console type things that are meant pretty much exclusively for running emulators. Um, and the, the range of quality on these things is just gargantuan. Some of these companies churn out like 10 of 10 different models of this kind of thing with minor variations every year. Some of them are like low effort and extremely bad and others are better in various ways, but it's hard to know which ones are good. So you kind of have to be like ear to the ground to a kind of like scene for these kinds of things. If you want to know like, this is the good one that you should actually spend your money on or whatever, or like this one is good if you fix it in X or Y ways, because it comes pretty janky. That's one of the other things about these sorts of Chinese emulator console type things is that in most cases, if you buy one, you have to be prepared to do a little bit of like messing with it because in many cases they come with janky firmware um, or like kind of mediocre software or, um, you know, just small physical problems that maybe need to be corrected. So there, the whole thing is a bit of a minefield and I kind of like clocked out of this scene for a long time. I, I used to follow it pretty closely and I had a few of these. Um, but then I mostly moved my like retro gaming interests over to real hardware. You know, I have Game Boys, I have, uh, you know, an SNES and all these sorts of things. I have actual physical consoles for them. Um, you've got gadgets and gizmos. Aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. <laughs> um, and you do have a problem with thingamabob. I've got, got 20. I've got 20. 
Um, <laughs> but who cares? No big deal. I want more. Um, <laughs> that is <laughs> the Disney is now suing us for copyright infringement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So the, the specific one that I wanted to bring up here is, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of people talking in various places about one of these again, and it's the Miu Mini. That's spelled just because it's if you you know make it more Googleable, M I Y O O Mini. Um, and if you want to visualize it, if you haven't Googled it yet, it is basically I can I pretty much think exactly what you would get if Nintendo went ahead and made a Game Boy Mini. You know, like they've made their uh, their their like mini consoles for the NES and SNES. Uh, visually, it is very very in line with the Game Boy Pocket but about two thirds of actual size. Um, and uh, it ha- it feels good. Like the buttons are nice and everything. Um, and uh, it's built in software is okay, but there's also been some nice community support to do um, like custom firmwares for it. And so if you want, there's actually a couple of different options for what the operating system that it runs is and, and like the, the emulators that it'll run. And so more or less, like imagine like a really cute, tiny little game boy um, that can run games from basically the game boy up through basically the PlayStation one and any consoles that you can imagine in between. Um, And it has some very nice little things about it. Like for example, uh, not a given with these, it can do things like suspend. You know, you can hit a button on it and immediately put it to sleep, hit a button again and pick up where you left off. There's slight differences depending on how you set up the software, but basically what you get is like a really nice experience for emulating things like Game Boy games, SNES, maybe if you want PlayStation stuff. Um, and it's really, really tiny. It it um it fits in the palm of your hand. We talked about the uh the play date, it's very similar in size to that, although about twice as thick. Um, but it's still like really a nice, comfortable little device to use. So I really want to recommend this thing. Um, if you're the sort of person who thought like, Hey, I wouldn't mind having a handheld emulator console to play. Like I'm mostly playing Game Boy games on it. Uh, It's got a really nice screen. The software is okay. If you tweak it a little bit. And, um, I think it's been, it's been a really nice experience and it feels like a pretty good value. It's about 60 bucks, uh, 50 to 60 bucks, depending on where you buy it. Um, I would recommend buying it directly from the Miu official store on uh, AliExpress. Um, you'll have to wait a little while to get it, but you can be sure you're not getting like something that's messed up in some way, I think. Um, and um, then there's some options for software to run on it. Do a little Googling, but basically there's two options, something called Onion OS and something called Mini UI. I'm running Mini UI on it, uh, which I find really nice. It kind of gets out of your way. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's been great uh, for you know, playing some Kirby Game Boy games. Uh, so I would recommend it. Do you mind spelling that for folks trying to Google yes. it? Yes, yeah, I did earlier, but it, again, it is M-I-Y-O-O, Miu space mini, M-I-N-I. Um, yeah, and I'm you know, happy to chat about it, I guess, if folks have questions about it. But uh, yeah, do a little Googling. There's like, there's, you know, there's a Reddit for it and so on. So I recommend it. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? Uh, I wrote a bunch of things down uh, that are small, but I, I won't uh, get into them. Uh, Chandler Gruber did a Fall in London story, uh, which rolled and was very creepy and ended with um, one of the most chaotic 
final screens I've seen in any Fall in London story let. So good job, Chandler Kruger. Uh, Girls 5 Eva just wrapped season two, which was delightful. Oh, I, didn't, I haven't watched it since season one. How was season two? Uh, it was great. Uh, they're an album mode. Oh. Um, and so there's a lot of um, excellent bops. That was such a goofy show, but I, I, need, I need to go back it's, to it. That was fun. Continues being incredibly goofy. But I'll say what I am thrilled about, and I'm not being in – this is – an endorsement, but I'm not getting any money for this. I'm just excited. Uh, Aaron Reed's 50 Years of Text Game is like finally on Kickstarter. It's gonna be a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. It is um, a collection of very in-depth write-ups on one game per year from 1971 to two- 2021. And the book layout pages look so beautiful. Um, if you want to like drop some real money, there's even like a box with feelies he's made from all these mm. different books. And like the collector edition is like leather embossed with a slip case. I definitely had the like, you know, take the list, my husband and being like, we both read these, which of these beautiful options would you like? And he's like the soft cover. Cheapest <laughs> options. <laughs> I was like, yes, I Yes, that is correct. Yeah, it's like, that's but I was also 15. what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's also correct. Um, but if you are like, if you like books as beautiful objects, uh, these definitely look like they're worth it. Um, I'm just really excited to. Um, I read about a third to half of them, which is a lot because mm-hmm. there are 50. And they each are like long form reads. So I'm really happy to have them in book form with all the pictures next to them and to be able to kind of read them in context. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited that this is here. Oh, I'm also thrilled that uh, Aaron like blew up like the the budget. I think he had a $20,000 goal and it was $100,000. Wow. By the end of the first day. So like people are <laughs> excited about this too. That's incredible. <laughs> I was glad to see that yeah. too. Yeah. I, I definitely followed along with these, but I, I probably only read maybe a third of them. I was subscribed when he was writing these as a, as a newsletter. Um, it's a sub stack. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And um, I, I, I was very impressed with the articles that I did read, but there were a lot of, I was mostly just reading the ones about games that I recognized um, and I'm sure that the others are all very good and interesting too, and would probably be more enlightening if they're about the games that I didn't know anything about. So um, I, I would like to go back and, and check those out. I haven't decided whether I'm going to do a hardcover or, uh, or softcover. I do actually have kind of a collection of like hardcover game oriented books. I've always sort of felt like that was like a mm-hmm. nice way to have something on my shelf that didn't, wasn't just like a stack of video games, things like, like I'm never going to have a huge collection of SNES games, but I can have like a nice coffee table book with pictures of SNES games in it, that kind of thing. Well, and, and it's an absolutely beautiful book. Yeah. I think that the tipping point is like, it's going to be a 650 page book. I think we move a lot. And also I do like annotating books. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to feel better annotating a soft cover than a gorgeous collector edition. Yeah. Um, but Man, that was super tempting. Yeah, I might and, double dip um, and get a hardcover and a uh, and like an ebook or something. That might be my uh, the if you back above if you get any physical copy, uh, it comes with an well, ebook. Well, that's nice. Okay, which is uh, just very lovely. Um, I'm I will say if you haven't read anything and you're wanting to read a chapter from one that you haven't, uh, there's one from a game I believe is called Silver Wolf that is. Um, a 
it's a weird house of Irish ladies who made a bunch of best-selling text adventures, and there may be two of them, and there may be seven of them, and they may have lived together, or it might just be two people <laughs> making it as a joke, and it may be a nice. coven. Like, but the like all this ambiguity and all of these games and how this happened, it was just one of the most extraordinary. Like, it's awesome. Is this real? Like, what what is this world? So. I'm excited about the Kickstarter, but I am going to strongly endorse for those who don't want to read like 50 of these to read the 1992 Silver Wolf um, by St. Bride School uh, breakdown. It is absolutely wild. Also, there's pictures of them on a TV show in um, Ireland where they're dressed up in bonnets and stuff. (laughs) And you're just like... (laughs) I don't know. It's a it's a good time. I suggest you you read. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, which is where you'll find all all of our links and contact form and all of that stuff. There's also a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, which is the best way to support the show. If you support the show at even just a dollar a month, you get immediate access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show. We plan episodes. We uh, talk about what's coming up. Uh, we have an announcements channel where I'm trying to, to update people so you can play ahead if you want. We're a little behind right there because we're still kind of figuring out what's next right now. Um, it's been a weird week or a couple of weeks or month or so, but uh, we're, we do that. Um, and also, if you back at the $5 a month level, uh, then you will get sent some short game stickers uh, and I will send them directly to you. Um, let's see. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>